let your hearts or your minds go anywhere just yet. Just keep them right there. We've just spent the last weekend giving thanks, right? How much of that time did you spend giving thanks to God for how much he loves you? Stay there. Keep your your hearts and your minds there throughout the message today. Because that's where we're going to be. We're going to look at something that God has done for us. Out of love for us. That ought to create in us a deep, deep expression of thanksgiving that lasts for our entire lives. Stay there this morning. If you do not have a Bible with you, you're going to need one to follow along as we go through some a variety of passages this morning. So if you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and put your hand up and our ushers will get you a Bible that you can use to follow along in. And if you do not have a Bible of your own and you're receiving one of those Bibles right now, please just keep that Bible. That is a great way to discover just how much God loves you. It is all over his word. He talks about how much he loves you. I want to back up to last week and the experience that we had with Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge here. Thank you so much for being wonderful hosts, for blessing them with a very, very encouraging day here last Sunday. It meant a lot to them. Um, I had the privilege of being down at Teen Challenge on Wednesday morning following that then to talk to them in chapel and so I had not just the group that was up here visiting with us and, and dining with us and all that. I had the whole group, hundreds of them, and uh, was able to bring their chapel message on Wednesday morning. What an incredible delight it is to be able to do that. I can't tell you how much I appreciate and enjoy the opportunity to be there and to have that opportunity to speak truth and encouragement and hope into their lives for just a brief moment. But I get to do that every so often, and it is, it is just a delight for me. The whole experience, though, just challenged this, this whole idea of thanksgiving. For so many of us, it is so easy to come to thanksgiving and to give thanks for all of our blessings. Our circumstances are awesome. We have great jobs, we have great homes, we have great families, we have great children, we have a great spouse, we have a great church, we have all these great things, and it's very easy for us to just spew off this list of all the things that we have to be thankful for. But I want you to try for just a moment to put yourself in the place of an addict who's in treatment trying to get free from that bondage, from that addiction, And I want you to think about just how hard it is for some of them, how hard it must be to come to Thanksgiving and to truly, honestly give thanks. Because they don't get to do that based on their circumstances for so many of them. You heard that last week. We heard from a young woman who's headed for prison. What was her Thanksgiving like? We heard lots of stories about people who are trying so hard to break free from the bondage that they're under. And that experience was just just enforced over and over again on Wednesday when I went. I had an opportunity to meet a, a number of people beyond the ones that we met here today and to spend some time talking with them and trying to encourage them. And uh, it was it was just a remarkable thing. But 
And it doesn't just come, sometimes we sit back and we listen to those stories and, and we think, well, that's, you know, that's what you got for the bad decisions that you make in life, right? You end up addicted and, and everything just falls apart because of your decisions. And for some of them, we looked at their stories and just went, wow, that obviously led them to this. Their circumstances, their life experience led them to this point. They had a tough, tough upbringing. And then it doesn't really surprise us so much, but... I spoke with a, a grandmother here last Sunday um, following the lunch. She just came up and talked to me, and she, just, she was sharing about her grandson who was here last Sunday, and he's in the program. And she talked about the fact that she just said, Pastor, his story is the exact opposite of some of the things that you've heard today. He grew up in a Christian home with loving parents. He went to church. He was actively involved in church. Everything went so well for him. Doesn't mean he wasn't vulnerable to the enemy's attack. And now he's fighting this addiction. It comes at us from all different angles. From all different angles. And one of the, the images, the pictures that has come to mind for me um, as I prepared for this week and as I thought back on my experiences last week is, is the image of a prisoner of war who has been taken captive in this world by our enemy. And I want you to hang on to that, that image as we go through the message today. We're going to bring it back up. It's a very real thing when it comes to the passage that we're going to cover today. Um, a very, very real image. So on Wednesday, um, I went back with them, with this group of, of uh, recovering addicts, um, to something that we can all give thanks for. I went back to the message that I preached here about our foundation that Peter lays out in the introduction to First Peter, and I talked with them about that foundation that God has offered all of them to stand on and how that is the thing that we can give thanks for. And, and we were able to come through that with just a great spirit of thanksgiving. I really felt that, that, that they were getting it. And I just, I'm so thankful for uh, certain ministries and churches. We, we do a wonderful job when they come here. There was another church considerably larger than this one that on Thursday took all 450 Teen Challenge residents, brought them to the church, and gave them thanksgiving. And what a beautiful statement that was. They couldn't go home. They couldn't just leave the program and go. This church stepped up and said, we'll do it. And dozens of volunteers gave up their Thanksgiving day to serve the residents of Teen Challenge. That's love. That brings hope. Remember these things. I want to go back to our, our last sermon now, a couple weeks back. And um, go back into, let me read for you the, the verses that we read, read previous to the ones that we're going to look at today from First Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. This is what Peter wrote. He said, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. <clears throat> we talked about three things from that passage. We talked about choosing hope, embracing 
holiness and cultivating honor. We talked about the hope theme that Peter has already introduced in his letter, how obvious it is, how it runs through the whole thing. Um, last Sunday, just in case you didn't catch on to this, um, during the nine, we had the Teen Challenge Choir in here. Well, you guys were downstairs at your different classes and, and all these different things were going on. We had the choir in here and we decided this year we're going to do a little mini service for them. And so our worship team led them through four worship songs. And then I gave up and gave a a brief message to them during the nine. And we talked about hope. We went right back to this hope theme. Um, And and just to to raise that, that sense of confident anticipation, which is what hope is. It's confident expectation that something's going to happen, that something's going to come true. And God is going to deliver on all of his promises. And Jesus is coming back. And in that we have this deep sense of hope regardless of our circumstances. We talked last week briefly about holiness. The the holiness idea has been introduced now. And both Peter and I preached on that a little bit. Uh, We talked a couple weeks ago about being different. And how this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the holiness theme. Peter's got so much more to say about this beyond the passage we're covering today. He's going to go into what it means to live holy lives, all that's coming. And we're going to work through that throughout the series. And we talked two weeks ago about honor. We talked about honoring our father, God, our father, how our lives ought to honor him. Now we're moving on. So turn to first Peter chapter one, verse 18. 1 Peter 1, verse 18, and let's take a shot at the next passage, the next few verses that Peter writes here in his letter. He carries on from verse 17, and he writes this. He says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. But was made manifest in the last times. For the sake of you. Who through him are believers in God. Who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. So that your faith and hope are in God. Looking at this passage today is going to bring us to a good place. Another turning point. Um, an opportunity to just pause this morning and give thanks once again. This time to give thanks for the things that God reveals in his word about who he is and who we are because of who he is. We're going to give thanks this morning to a generous and loving God. And also it's going to give us an opportunity to pause and we're going to do that. We're going to pause and for the next few weeks as we focus on the Christmas season, we're going to go back to the reason behind this series. We're going to talk about the title of this series, The Light. And we're going to go back and look at darkness and light as we put the Christmas season together. And I can't wait to get into that. And of course it's going to be centerpieced by that incredible musical that our kids are going to do for us. The theme for this passage in 1 Peter is redemption or ransoming. Ransoming. In verse 18, he says, you were ransomed. What does that mean exactly? And how important is this truth to our faith and to our lives? I want to read a quote from a Puritan, a man named Thomas Watson, who was a preacher and an author way back in the 1600s. And this is what he wrote about redemption 
he said, great was the work of creation, but greater the work of redemption. It cost more to redeem us than to make us. In one, there was but the speaking of a word. In the other, the shedding of blood. The creation was but the work of God's fingers. Redemption is the work of his arm. We're going to talk about redemption. We're going to talk today about what it means to be ransomed, about how God has ransomed us. So let's focus on the word ransom for a few minutes. Ransom comes from the Greek word lutro, lutro. Lutro means to ransom or to redeem. They're one and the same. It has deeper meaning. It goes beyond that. It means to purchase release by paying a ransom. It means to deliver by the payment of a price. And I thought this was really interesting. And this ties back to what I said at the beginning. In the Greek, lutro, that word was a technical term that was used for the process of buying back a prisoner of war. That's where this word comes from. That's the root of this word that we're talking about in the title of this sermon, ransom, buying back a prisoner of war. And it's important that we understand that as we move forward. This beautiful, beautiful part of God's plan was established long before the writings of Peter. This goes way back to the establishing of the Passover feast and the symbolism that was there. The symbol of a sacrificial lamb was known by God's people for thousands of years before Christ came. And this has been God's plan from long before time even began. We're going to answer four questions about our passage today. Question number one, ransomed from what? Question number two, ransomed with what? Question number three, ransomed by whom? And question number four, ransomed for what? Those are the things that this passage answers today. And you may be able to answer those questions already in your head because if you've grown up in the church, you understand a little bit about redemption. You've heard about it before. You've heard that we've been ransomed, that God has set us free through Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you this morning. Don't write this off just because it might sound like review to you. Don't allow that to happen. Don't just think that you have the answers. So let's move on to something new. This isn't anything new. This is something deep and beautiful and true about God and his love for us. So let me ask you some questions about this. How real is it to you that your freedom was purchased for you, not earned by you? How real is that to you? Just beyond knowledge of it, beyond some sort of understanding you have of it. How real is it to you? How aware are you of just how much it cost to buy you back? How aware are you of that? Excuse me. How many of your days start and end with a deep expression of thanksgiving for the price that was paid to set you free from a very dark future? Do you think much about what you were ransomed from? Does your heart ever really hurt over the price that was paid for you? Do you express your gratitude frequently to the one who paid that price? Do you set your mind and strength on the things that you were purchased for? Let's get there today. 
At least for today, let's get there. Let's end this holiday weekend together doing the only fitting thing that we can do when we're confronted again with the reality of our redemption. Let's give thanks this morning for what God has done for us as we remember this. And so here goes Peter again, packing a ton of truth into just a few verses. He's really good at this. He gives us the condensed version Always, everything's just crammed in there together. And once again, Peter speaks of a truth that others have also been led to write. Redemption is a very common theme in the writings of the apostles. And so like, like Paul, of course, who writes this in Romans chapter 6. Let me read a few verses from Romans chapter 6. This is what Paul writes about this. And he obviously wrote about redemption as well. You'll see it throughout the Bible. In Romans 6 verse 6, Paul writes... We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Then in verse 17 and 18, he writes, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. We have been ransomed. We have been ransomed by God. And Peter sums up this incredible truth in our verses today, answering these four questions that I mentioned. Question number one, ransom from what? Ransom from what? The first part of verse 18 says, you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from, from your forefathers. You were ransomed from those futile ways. Back in verse 14, Peter mentions the risk of us being conformed to the passions of our former ignorance. This is one aspect of what we have inherited from our forefathers. And that's a very interesting contrast to the other inheritance that Peter's been writing about, isn't it? This is not the same thing. This is the opposite of what Peter wrote of earlier when he talked about the inheritance that we have that's coming from God. We have inherited... A sinful nature driven by a sinful mind that simply pursues things that it shouldn't. That's what we were born with. We were all born with that nature. Jesus talked about it. Paul talked about it. James talked about it. Peter talked about it. John talked about it. Jude talked about it. It's all over the Bible. A lot of expressions of what this sinful nature is. This thing that we were born with. Our flesh lusts after things ranging from sex to money to power to fame to all kinds of selfish gratification. That's how we were born. That was our bent. That was our nature. And that nature is not only at work within us before we become followers of Christ. You know that. The flesh continues to lust after the wrong things and to create that pull of temptation on us throughout our lives. Now, the difference is people who have Christ's spirit living in us is what happens with that fleshly desire, with that temptation. Without Christ, our mind, our imagination is controlled by the flesh. With Christ, we have the capability to resist that temptation and take on the mind of Christ by choice. This is why we're instructed in God's word to guard our minds. It's a battlefield. We needed to be ransomed, to be freed from our sinful nature. All of us needed that. We were born needing that. And God in his mercy and love acted to free us. 
And if he didn't, we'd be left to spend our lives giving in to that selfish, lustful flesh that we have. Our former passions are mentioned in verse 14. So is our ignorance. It's easy for us to forget what it was like to not have the kind of understanding of spiritual things that we now have. We forget that far too easily. Jesus had no tolerance for the spiritual ignorance of the Jewish religious leaders in his day. It's amazing what they couldn't understand. But the reality is simply this. That could have been you and me. That could be you and me right now. Ignorant of the spiritual things that God has now revealed to us. The Apostle Paul wrote about the ignorance of unbelievers, but he also made a wise statement about his own ignorance. This is Paul. Paul wrote about his own ignorance. In 1 Timothy 1.13, Paul mentions God's mercy in understanding that what Paul had done before following Jesus was done in ignorance. Praise God that he had mercy on us and ransomed us from our ignorance. Peter also uses the term futile ways in verse 18 in our passage. God ransomed us from our sinful lust and from our ignorance. He also ransomed us from a life of futility. God knows what life looks like for those who do not believe in him. Lack of hope, lack of purpose, lack of true inner peace, lack of genuine real joy, lack of eternity. We've been ransomed from a futile existence. Are you thankful for that? Finally, Peter writes of the futile ways that we inherited from our forefathers. And remember that Peter was writing to many Jews as well as Gentiles in his letter. The religious traditions of the Jews were obviously not enough to bring them eternal life. That could not cut it. Jesus had a lot to say about that. The religious traditions of the Gentiles weren't enough to cut it either. Both of these paths led to futility, not to eternal life. Only Jesus could lead to that life. What have we been ransomed from? We've been set free from our flesh. We've been set free from our ignorance. We've been set free from a futile existence. And we've been set free from empty traditions. If all we did was just follow the traditions of our ancestors, even the religious things, we've been set free from that. Sometime, if you've never done this before, just sit for a while and think about where you'd be if it wasn't for the redeeming, ransoming work of God in your life. Think about where you'd be. If you think that you would have been just as your life would have been just as meaningful or just as fulfilling without having put your faith in Christ, you may want to ask God to show you what it what it could have been like without him. Ask him for a, a Christmas carol type experience where he shows you what your life could have been like if it wasn't for his ransoming power in your life, if it wasn't for the fact that he set you free. It would be a terrible, terrible experience. God has shown us clearly in his word what we've been ransomed from. We may not have turned out to be terrible, selfish, unhappy people without him, but we would have turned out to be people living futile lives. Lives that are controlled by the flesh and in turn by the ruler of the darkness. And by the way, that ruler does very well at deceiving people into thinking that they are good, happy people. Be living lives in ignorance of the things of God. Would you trade your knowledge of God, your knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ, your knowledge of the Holy Spirit for anything? 
Would you give up what he's done in your life or what, what he believes about you or the love that he has for you for anything? Can you imagine not knowing him? How about living a life of futility? No eternal hope, no eternal purpose, no eternal inheritance, no eternal life. Would you trade that for anything? Or how about a life that simply follows the traditions of your ancestors? Religious ritual, just following what's expected of you. Can you imagine living that life? Brothers and sisters, we have been ransomed from that life. Is that worth giving thanks for? God paid a big price to redeem us from that kind of life. Don't take that for granted. That could have been you. That could have been me. Praise God for the things that we've been ransomed from. Why don't you listen to the words of Psalm 49, verses 7 and 8, as I read them for you. Psalm 49, verses 7 and 8, sets us up really well for what's to come here. This is what the psalmist writes. Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. No man can ransom another. Freedom is not something that can be purchased by one person for another person. Your parents can't attain it for you. Your pastor, as generous as he is, can't give it to you. Obviously, there's only one who can purchase that freedom for you. So we're ransomed with what? That's the question that this answers. Peter writes that we were not ransomed with anything perishable. Money couldn't do it. Silver or gold couldn't do it. A merely human life couldn't do it. In order to set us free, a very high price would have to be paid, and not just a high price, but whatever was being used to pay that high price would have to be something eternal. God had established the sacrifice of a spotless lamb as a symbol of what was to come in Jesus Christ. The most perfect sheep in the flock was selected and sacrificed for the sins of God's people. We got to see this firsthand living in Senegal as the the Muslim community there made their sacrifices for their sins. We got to see them pay an enormous price for sheep that had no spots on them. They were just all white. We saw that. We saw how that ritual has carried on. But that was never intended to be enough for eternal, for the eternal ransoming of, of us from the bondage of sin. And so the plan continued to be fulfilled. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrew chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. It's a great passage in Hebrews that expresses this so beautifully. Hebrews chapter 9, let's read verses 11 to 14. It says this, But when Christ appeared... As a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more 
will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. Only the blood, only the blood of the perfect eternal lamb of God would suffice for our ransom. Why? Because the debt owed for all the sins of the world was transferred to Jesus' account. He didn't become guilty. He couldn't. He took upon himself the debt owed for our guilt. And he paid the ransom price for it himself. Every mistake we've ever made or ever will make have created our account of guilt. And by God's grace, he made a move towards us with a plan to take all of that guilt transfer it to Jesus' account and make him pay the price for that debt. How precious, how precious is the blood of Jesus Christ? Infinite worth. It's the only possible price that could have removed the debt that filled all of our accounts. Praise God for the gift of his son's blood. Can you give thanks for that? What were you ransomed from? from the futile ways in which we were living and from the power and penalty of sin in our lives. What were we ransomed with? With the precious blood of Jesus Christ spilled for the forgiveness of my sins and your sins and the sins of this world. The third question that this passage answers is, ransomed by whom? Back to our passage. Look at verse 20 and and the first part of 21 in 1 Peter chapter 1. Speaking of Jesus, Peter says he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. Now, remember back in first Peter one, two, Peter wrote about us being foreknown by our father. He knew us before time began. He knew us intimately before we were even born. He had a plan for us. He also had a plan for his son. And according to what Peter writes here, God planned the payment of our ransom through Jesus for our sake, for the sake of you, Peter says. It was done for us. God didn't just react to the fall of man with his plan that he he threw together in response. God had a plan from long before time. And his plan included us. What great love he has for us. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was called by his father to pay in full the ransom that we would be demanded for our lives. Galatians 4 verses 4 and 5 states this so beautifully. Paul writes, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons, as sons and daughters. Are you thankful this weekend for your adoption as sons and daughters of God? We should be, right? God's plan was being fulfilled at the right time, in the right way, through his son, Jesus Christ. Our ransom was being paid in full what deep love our father has for us. God didn't just pour out his wrath on his son and let him die. He raised him from the dead and gave him, as it says in verse 21, glory 
He gave him glory. God's son has been exalted. He's been lifted up because of his sacrifice. Because he was the ransom that was paid for our freedom. And he willingly took on that role in his father's plan for you and for me. Praise God for his incredible plan and for his son. Give Jesus the glory that he deserves for this. Join God in exalting the son Jesus Christ. He is our redeemer. He is the one who ransomed us. One question's left. We've answered the questions ransomed from what, ransomed with what, and ransomed by whom. And the end of our passage today says, So that your faith and hope are in God. So that your faith and hope are in God. A ransom needed to be paid for our freedom. We were born slaves to a sinful nature. Our passions and desires were for the wrong things. Our guilt account was deep. If we were going to live, something had to be done. And something was done. By his mercy, God had a plan for us. So when the time had come, his son came and took our guilt upon himself, paying the ransom price for our freedom. God's desired outcome, that you and I would put our faith and our hope in him. We talked about faith and hope recently. We were talking about verse 13, where we are instructed by Peter to set our hope fully on the grace that is to come in Jesus Christ. Faith and hope are very closely related. We talked about that. We talked about the fact that faith has to do with putting our confidence in what God has done and is doing. And hope has to do with putting our confidence in what God is going to do. They are tied together. Our Father wants to see us put both our faith and our hope in him. So much so that he sent his son to set us free and give us that hope. So what's our response to that? Consider what we've looked at today. It is not news to many, if any of us. I know that this is old news. This is review, right? This is basic foundational truth for us. You and I, brothers and sisters, have been ransomed. We have been set free. And that is a beautiful truth that we need to go back to again and again. God loved us so much that he had a plan set in place long before the foundation of this world. And he called his son into that plan to pay the price for us. And all this was done for our benefit. God wanted to see us put our full confidence in what he has done, is doing, and is going to do. That's what he's asking of us. So he ransomed us. He set us free. Peter's gone to great lengths in the introduction to this letter to paint a picture of our reality. Is it not a beautiful picture? It's a remarkable picture. We talked about that foundation that we stand on. Things like the fact that we're elect, that we were foreknown, that we're being sanctified, that we are obedient to a perfect, loving father and shepherd, that we're sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, that we are recipients of God's mercy, that we have been born again, that we've been given a living hope, that we're heirs to an incomparable inheritance, that we're being guarded by God, that we are awaiting our full salvation, that we've been given reason upon reason upon reason to rejoice, that we have a growing faith, that we are anticipating the praise and glory and honor that Jesus is going to give us. 
that we're living a life in a love relationship with our father, with his son. We've been given this reliable hope to set our hope fully on, to stand on as our foundation. We have been made and are being made holy by our father and we have been ransomed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Thanks. So here comes the instruction. Peter's going to coach us in what it means to live holy lives as people who have received that much. People who live in a love relationship with his son. People who have a perfect father looking out for us and, and the indwelling Holy Spirit working in us. But there will always be a purpose to this holy living that Peter is going to instruct us about. And it's not just to obey the things that God is teaching us through Peter. This is not just about obedience. It's to be used by God for a continuation of the plan that he put in place before time. A plan that included our ransoming, but includes the ransoming of so many more His desire was not just to save us from something. It has always been to save us to something and to be used by him to help him save many, many, many others. This Christmas season, we're we're going to put all that in perspective as we move forward together. Later in 1 Peter, in 1 Peter 2.9, Peter reminds us that we were called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. And all that happened through the arrival of Jesus Christ into our world to carry out God's ransoming plan. What a great focus for a Christmas season. Chapel Hill is your faith and hope in God. Have you put your faith and hope in God? Look at all that he's done for you. Look at everything that he's given you. We have received so much from him. So much as he's carried out his plan for us. There is so much to be thankful for. And all I want to do this morning is just just end this Thanksgiving weekend with our hearts and our minds right where they should be. These are the things. These are the things for which we can give deep, honest thanks Yes, we have good circumstances. We have lots to be thankful for. And I believe that most of us, myself included, have spent the weekend thinking about those things, about our circumstances, about our earthly things, and giving thanks for those, rightfully so. Because God has blessed us with so much. So much. But I want to end this weekend coming back to the reality of the eternal things that we have. That God has given us. Has he not poured out grace upon grace to us? He has. He has given us so much. And somewhere near the top of that list is the fact that we have been ransomed through the blood of Jesus Christ. Will you give thanks to God for that? As we end the weekend, as we end this Thanksgiving weekend, will you just let that thought carry on through the rest of the day? Just go back and get get alone with him. And at some point, just say, God, thank you for 
all this. And if you need to go back to 1 Peter chapter 1 and read through the first 21 verses as you express that thanksgiving to God, do it. There's a great reminder of everything that we've received. Are you thankful this morning, Chapel Hill? Let me try that again. That was eh. Are you thankful this morning, Chapel Hill? Yeah. Your father loves you. So, so deeply. It's easy for us to forget that when life goes so well and we have everything we could possibly want. But at the very heart of that is the source of us having everything that we want. And it's our father, our great shepherd, the one who set us free from a life of not having that to a life of having that, having him to eternal life for which we can give great thanks. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward in the worship team. Um, it's been a nice change with the worship team. Different feel this morning. Isn't it been nice? This has been really cool. I love this feel. It's been very, very nice. Let's go back into worship as we end our service together and talk about God's grace, about the grace that's ours. Grace and grace alone. That's what we're going to sing about. Will you pray with me now? And will you just take a moment in this this quietness here? Let me give you just a few seconds to just express your gratitude to God. Will you do that? Your circumstances, as good or not good as they may be, Do not determine your hope. They do not determine your thanksgiving. Thank God right now yourself that he has ransomed you. That he has set you free. That he has paid the price for your life. Thank him for that right now. Father, I acknowledge that sometimes, far too often, it's hard for me to to be thankful for the right reasons. With lives that are so controlled by emotions and circumstances, I just go along with that, and sometimes I'm feeling very thankful, and sometimes I'm feeling very sorry for myself. And I ask that you'd forgive me for that. Because you've spelled out the reality of what is ours in your word. In the introduction to one letter. You've made it so clear that we have so much. And that we can be so thankful. Father, for those who need to know this even more than just having heard it for the last 45 minutes, I pray that you would just get down inside them right now and speak to them very clearly of all that you have to offer them, of all that's been done for the sake of setting them free. Father, teach us to live lives in a state 
of permanent thanksgiving with a clear understanding that we have a lot to be thankful for. Thank you for your plan to save us. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who willingly stepped into that plan and willingly took on himself the punishment for all of our sins and all that was necessary to break us free from the bondage that we were born in. Thank you for that. Thank you for your deep, deep love. Thank you for your grace that you've poured out on us the riches of hope of all that's to come. Help us to put our faith and our hope in you today, tomorrow, the day after, for the rest of our lives. Thank you, God. Thank you for all that you are and all that you've done. We pray this in Jesus' name.